Hi everyone, welcome back to She Wants Everything. I'm so excited for my first guest here today. I'm a little nervous, but super excited. She is an amazing young lady. She has her own podcast called She Persisted, and she talks a lot about her own mental health journey, which I really appreciate, especially going through like a young adult and teen years. She also brings you professional help and professional care and opinions to make sure that you guys are getting the facts and well, well, a lot professional treatment. So you should definitely go check out our podcast because it's been featured on the Today Show, NBC News, and ABC News. So please welcome the lovely lady, Sadie Kalar. Oh, by the way, for my oh. podcast, I use Sadie Sutton. Sadie Sutton. Sorry. So, I have a stage <laughs> name, actually. Oh, I should really? have told you that beforehand. Yeah. Yeah, so okay. I, I was going to ask. Yes, yeah. So for the podcast, my middle name is Sutton. So I have a little stage name moment because when I first started it, I started it actually like right before I shadowed it, Notre Dame. Um, and yeah, I like I was sharing so much of my mental health journey and I wasn't sure with like college applications and everything. And so I was like, stage name it is. So yeah. Okay, okay. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to She Wants Everything. I'm so excited for my first guest here today. I'm a little nervous, but super excited. She is an amazing young lady. She has her own podcast called She Persisted, and she talks a lot about her own mental health journey, which I really appreciate, especially going through like a young adult and teen years. She also brings you professional help and professional care and opinions to make sure that you guys are getting the facts and well well a lot professional treatment so you should definitely go check out our podcast because it's been featured on the today's show nbc news and abc news so please welcome the lovely lady sadie kalar oh by the way for my oh. podcast i use sadie sutton sadie sutton sorry so, i have a stage <laughs> name actually oh, i should really? have told you that beforehand yeah yeah, so okay. I, I was gonna ask. Yes, yeah. So for the podcast, my middle name is Sutton. So I have a little stage name moment because when I first started it, I started it actually like right before I shadowed it, Notre Dame. Um, and yeah, I like I was sharing so much of my mental health journey, and I wasn't sure with like college applications and everything. And so I was like, stage name it is. So yeah. Okay. Okay. So today I really wanted to talk about just kind of like body issues and like self-esteem. I and mean, we hear it all the time in today's media, but I feel like a lot of the opinions come from celebrities or like influencers who fit the normal beauty standard and like especially mm -hmm. like as an Asian female, I feel like not included in a lot of the times. And of course, like as a high schooler, you know, you always go through body changes, like you lose weight and you gain weight and like you might be bloated these days, but I feel like a lot of that is just not talked about in the media. And again, if it is talked about in the media, it's from people who get work done and things like that. So I just really wanted to kind of touch base on, you know, everyone is not alone here. We're all females, we're all women, even guys, I feel like they have their own set of issues, but especially as girls, there's a lot of pressure to look a certain way. And I just want to talk about our own journeys on how, especially your journey on how um, you feel about the whole thing. And especially mm -hmm. the, the term of body positivity, 
I feel like it is a good thing, but at the same time, there are negative sides. So if you don't mind, I want to start discussing and I'm just going to ask you a few questions, if that's okay. That sounds great. Okay, great. So what are your thoughts on the whole term of body positivity? I think I had a podcast guest that kind of used the term body neutrality. And I think I like that more than body positivity. I think it would be amazing if we all got to a point of being positive towards our body and having that loving relationship. But I think a very reasonable goal is body neutrality. And I think it's something that is more achievable um, and possible for a lot of us, especially if you do struggle with negative body image or self-esteem issues, getting all the way to that point of body positivity is something that seems almost like impossible and insurmountable. So if you can at least get to the point of neutrality and no longer like talking negatively, negatively to yourself or obsessing, um, or just beating yourself up for your appearance instead of just being like, you know what, this is what it is. And I'm okay with that. And not like in the mirror screaming at yourself, I am beautiful. And I'm amazing every single morning. Like, that's okay. Like just right. being in the middle and not, not beating yourself up and not going out of your way to make yourself feel worse um, than you already are, I think is something that I um, gravitate more to, especially having struggled with um, body image and disordered eating in my past. So I, I like the goal of body neutrality, I think more than body positivity. And I think within the body positivity movement, movement, like you were saying, there's a lot of people that have had work done or that are the beauty standard. And so of course it's easier to be in that body positivity camp. And we do hear from a lot of them that them also, they struggle with body image. And so the grass is always greener. Nothing is ever good enough. The beauty standard is constantly changing. Nothing is achievable. Um, so my counsel to teens and the, the way that I look at it myself is always to try and get towards that point of neutrality. Um, but, but it's hard. It's something I still struggle with. I think, especially going into college and, um, having gained weight during COVID and not feeling at my best, I started to be more aware of things like pretty privilege or, um, I don't know, like skinny privilege and these things like, yeah, especially at college in that environment where, and I feel like even when I was younger, I always heard adults being like best shape of my life when I was in college. And I'm like, well, that's not what's happening right now. And like being really insecure about that and seeing all these other people that are like gorgeous and all these athletes and all these kinds of things and not necessarily feeling like that's where I was at. And so I think it's almost like a a self-fulfilling prophecy that if you think you're outside of the norm, you are more judgmental to yourself, you're less confident, you're less outgoing, therefore people will interact with you less. Um, so I think it's not just something that is society acting on us. I think it's kind of like a two, a two-way street. Um, but it's also like confidence comes from fitting within this standard that society sets. And so it's a really difficult thing to grapple with. Um, but in my own life, I'd say the goal isn't body positivity necessarily. It's body neutrality. Um, and it's something I, I'm still working towards, as I'm sure lots of teenagers are. Right. Totally. No, I love everything that you said there. I really like the term body neutrality because body positivity, that's the exact issue that I feel like I had. And I see so many other people online or young adults online it's like I can't force myself you know it's like and even if you do it's not going to take just one morning just to wake up and be like oh yeah you know what like I feel like my screaming the affirmation yeah <laughs> like I'm so pretty and I'm so confident and that's great you know like you have to like reprogram your mind or whatever it is but it's not 
almost it's almost like not realistic at some times yeah because it's gonna take a lot of time and I feel like also confidence it comes from like a lot of skills you know that you might want to progress on and like on the inside as corny as it sounds but feeling on the outside is also so important because it's how you see people every single day yeah and judge yeah a hundred percent and especially with social media and um I think like zoom school probably didn't help with that also although at the same time it's like a two-sided um card because like for some people zoom school was preferable because if you're like physically insecure you're not interacting with people but then if maybe you struggle with acne or you don't love your face or something like that or a certain feature it's like you are constantly in front of a camera looking at yourself so it's like both of those things can be really challenging that we've transitioned back into this in-person environment it's either harder to then have those social interactions and like you were saying a lot of it is how we interact with others and regardless of how we feel about ourselves those interactions kind of like fuel our beliefs that we hold because we're like subconsciously looking for evidence that support those um so I think it's a very common experience to leave this like virtual world we were living in with social media and these this, this was the only way we were interacting with people then going back to social interactions having that social anxiety to begin with and then also grappling with these belief systems if they're negative then having interactions that don't go well attributing that to your your image um and those beliefs you hold about yourself so I definitely do agree that there is something to be said for improving your internal talk improving your confidence without relying on interactions with others and social situations can be a huge stressor um for things like body image um just like things like social media can Totally, totally. And I don't know if you experienced this, but I also like gained, I gained a good amount of weight in COVID and uh, after COVID, well, during quarantine, I would say the the second half, I went on like a huge diet, diet, which Mm -hmm. I felt like I pressured myself to. And for five months, what were those workouts? It was lady. Chloe Ting. Chloe Ting. Yeah. (laughs) Girls like online were so obsessed with like online workouts which is like fine you know mm-hmm. I'm sure a lot of girls couldn't go to the gym because it's lockdown whatever but I did Chloe Ting one time it never <laughs> happened again it happened one time <laughs> I hate working out like I literally hate working out it's and it's too much <laughs> I myself it's like I didn't do the right things to lose the weight and I don't know it was just such like social especially being on TikTok I think mm-hmm. seeing everyone being like oh I need to get my summer body like in check and things like that and it's yeah like I did gain a few pounds because when I'm at home I eat everything and I mean we uh, weren't going outside like you weren't walking to classes I'm doing my makeup I have sweats on I have a sweatshirt on I don't know you know and it's just how I took out the stress I guess but I felt like there was just such a negative part about that it was like the first day of school to the max like you're already anxious about seeing people again but you've been online for a year and especially if you're already aware of something like physically that you're insecure about it's just completely blown up and there was just so much anxiety especially for like our age group going into the beginning of college it was a lot totally it's interesting I feel like it's almost been like a consistent thing since even elementary school and middle school and it's very interesting how distorted we are I'll look back at photos of myself in like elementary school and I'll be like I was like a skinny kid like I wasn't like a stick but I was like by no means even remotely overweight 
but I was like worried about what my stomach looked like in my jumper. We did wear jumpers. We had Peter Pan collars. It was a situation, but I remember comparing that to other girls in like second and third grade. And even like this whole idea of fat phobia in our society, being conscious of that and being aware of what I would look like when I was older and being very self-conscious about that, um, which is so crazy that those ideas are even circulating around. So from that age onwards, I think the present body that I am in now that I was in then I've always thought that I wanted to look different it was never like I have moments like I wouldn't say that I have super low confidence like I'll look in the mirror when I'm getting ready and I'm like oh I look pretty today or like this look and there's also those negative thoughts of like oh I wish I was skinnier I wish I looked different I wish that my legs were longer I wish that I didn't have the stomach fat whatever it is and I think that's always been a constant um and that's presented in different ways sometimes it's just an internal monologue sometimes it's comparison I struggled for a long time with restricting and disordered eating and purging and binging and things like that which really don't make things easier um it, it just adds a lot more fuel to the fire. Um, but I, I think it all comes down to that internal monologue. It comes down to how you view yourself, how you compare yourself. Um, and especially things like looking at yourself in the mirror. Are you immediately looking at an area that you're insecure about and tearing yourself down? Or are you neutral about it? Are you like, okay, this is my body today? Um, or focusing on something else like, oh, is there mascara under my eye? Or wow, my hair has like fallen out of my ponytail and choosing to focus on something else rather than an insecurity that you are constantly um, ruminating about. Um, but I think especially going into college after gaining weight was definitely a difficult period that my confidence really took a hit, especially in social situations, dating, that kind of thing. If you are struggling with body image, especially, it can be even more anxiety provoking to go into those interactions. And if you don't believe that you're good enough, it's even more difficult to feel like you are good enough to be liked and loved and accepted by other people. Um, and so that was definitely something that came up for me. And I think it's interesting because I've struggled with self-esteem relating to my body image for a long time, but then I also struggled a lot with self-esteem with like my worthiness and believing I didn't deserve love. And so those things were kind of parallel. And for a while during my freshman and sophomore year of high school, when I was struggling with depression and anxiety, the negative self-esteem was really more just like not being good enough, being internal and less about the body image thing. It was just a lot of self-hatred towards me as a, as a person and any trait. And so of course the body image stuff got, got tied into that as well. Um, but it's, it's always been like a constant ever present theme and I'm not sure how universal it is for teens. Um, I've never been in any one else's head, but it's definitely something that I've always been aware of and cognizant of. Um, and it takes up a lot of mental space. It's definitely something I had a thought like last week um, where I was having my sister take photos of me and then I was looking at the photos and I didn't like them. And I was like, oh, like I, this isn't a flattering angle. Like I, I look fat, like whatever it is. And then I looked at it like 20 minutes later and I was like, that's not that bad. What was I talking about? And I was like, I think I'm just not going to look at photos for like an hour until after I take them because whenever I take a photo immediately, I'm like, oh, I don't like that. Like it's not good enough. And then I'll look at it a day later, a month later, a couple of years later. I'm like, that's a great picture. I look so great there. And so if there's like one practice I'm like working to implement, like right now it would be that, um, because like we were so critical initially. And even like, I was talking about being critical when I was like second and third grade and I was a skinny kid. It's like having that perspective and being able to check yourself and be like, okay, like, like, 
it's, you can't just let go of body dysmorphia, but giving yourself like a grace period, if that's something that you struggle with, and then going back a little bit out of the situation to have less judgment, um, is definitely helpful, especially with social media. We take so many photos of ourselves. We think about sharing them. We think about how they'll be received. So giving yourself that period of time so that you don't have those immediate judgments, I think is great for, for your self-esteem. That's a great tip. Just chill out. Just like, mm-hmm. We get in our own heads so often and so easily that it's so easy to just be like, yeah, I look like crap. Like, this is, this sucks. But you're so right. Even when I look back on my young photos, I'm like, wait, (laughs) why did I hate myself so much? (laughs) And it makes you so sad because like, I'll look at photos that I've taken like a year or two years ago. And I was like, oh, I would never post it on Instagram. That's not like a good enough photo. And I'm like, I wish that I had this favorited in my phone because this was a great photo from a great memory. And for some reason, it wasn't good enough to be included in that, that criteria. And so it, it sucks. And it definitely, um, hindsight is 2020 in the moment it's a lot more difficult um but again it's getting to that point of neutrality and even if you're just like I guess that photo is okay yeah rather than being like this is the worst photo I've ever seen or wow I look like a model I should post this on every single social media platform just being okay with it being like this is a great way to encapsulate a memory even if it's just on my phone I'm glad that I got to capture this moment Totally. I've actually started doing that too, because I, I, I've seen that it helps a lot. And I think before I used to be like, oh, well, I have to take pictures for Instagram, but I'm like, yeah. no, I want to take pictures for Instagram. I can just take pictures because these are my friends. These are my family. I love my life and we're going to create, just have memories so I can look yes. back on it and be like, you know what, this was a good time or whatever it was. Not mm-hmm. everything has to be for social media. Yeah. And even like for me, I'm, I feel like I'm a bad example because although I'm like, am very hard on myself, I don't think it's as much through social media. Like I will sometimes be like, oh, I don't like that photo or I'm not, don't feel confident enough to post on social media. Um, But most of the times I like spend way more time on the podcast account. Like I do it more from a creative lens. So Instagram for me is really like, a catalog of memories. And I'll look back over my posts and be like, these were the moments from this year that I had a really great moment that I wanted to capture. Um, and it, I, I almost want to encourage myself to like push myself out of that comfort zone and sit in that anxiety of feeling like I don't feel totally confident in this picture. And this is something I want to remember. So I'm going to post it and put myself out of my comfort zone. And again, less for the likes and for how it'll get perceived, but knowing that like a year from now, I'm not going to look back on that photo and be like, why did I ever post that? If my leg looked like that, I'm going to be like, wow, that was a great moment. Like, I'm so glad I have this as something I thought was notable from 2022. Uh, It's like, I'm not perfect in my own eyes. There's some insecurity. Some things don't feel like they're, they're great, but it's okay. No one else is going to notice. And I'm going to be glad looking back that there's a way to remember these things. Yeah. And people who do have a platform like you are posting real things and posting real time and whatever it is, it's raw. It's empowering empowering I can't speak and <laughs> also um yeah I think I just think it's a lot cooler to be honest yeah because you're not sitting there editing a photo for 30 minutes and being like let me tighten my yeah. way for yeah. I will say the FOMO gets me that's one thing on social media it's not as much like comparing myself physically to others mm-hmm. but FOMO is a big thing like being like oh people are having more fun at their college than I am or they're doing more things or they're at a party and I'm not that is one thing on social media that I try to be aware of because that is one thing that does my mental health does take a hit for 
every single time I find myself like mindlessly scrolling, I'm just like, just put it down. Just put your phone down. Yeah. Or close the app. Yeah. It's simple. TikTok is my, is my weakness with the mindless scrolling for oh, sure. Sorry. <laughs> oh, different story. Yes. What do you think about people getting plastic surgery? I think that very, very relevant today is to this week's news. It's your body. It's your choice. You can do whatever you want with it. Mm-hmm. I think there, there are some, some gray areas. I think that it's, it's a medical procedure. There should be some level of privacy. If you want that, it's your choice. If you want to share it or not. I think that when you are, if you were like selling a workout plan, you've had like ab implants that's a little unethical. I'm like, that's not okay. Like having plastic surgery to make yourself look better. And then saying that you got these results from a different uh, process. I don't agree with that. Um, I think a really good example of this is the Kim Kardashian Met Gala. And everyone was like, so mad. They were like, she went on this crazy diet, blah, 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 blah. And I didn't necessarily have a problem with it because she didn't, she, she didn't lie. She could have just been like, oh yeah, like this is, I fit into this dress, no problem. Or this is just what my body looked like. Or this was just another day for me. She was like, no, this took a lot of work. Mm -hmm. I put in the time I was doing these workouts. I was cutting out these things. And she also wasn't promoting it. She wasn't like, you should be cutting out these things so that you can look this way also. Um, And I oftentimes like subscribe to like, all like the vulnerability, the transparency is always better rather than kind of like hiding and, and concealing and not saying anything. I do think it's important, like what demographic and audience is exposed to that information, like 12, 13 year old girls, I do not think should be scrolling on TikTok and be privy to the fact that she lost, what was it like 20 pounds? Really, it's 16, 20 pounds, whatever it was. In, in two weeks. Like, I don't think that should be a precedent that's being set. And as an adult woman who would not be going to the Met Gala looking like she did. It's reassuring to know that that wasn't something magical that happened overnight. She took a lot of steps that I personally would not want to take. So it's okay that I don't look that way. Um, yeah. So I think there's like a, it's, it's, there's two sides to every coin. And so I, I didn't think it was a problem that she shared that. I think that it was almost nice that she had that transparency. And she's always said like that she puts a lot of work into these things. She shows penning on the audience that is being, is consuming that information, it can be really toxic. I agree with everything you said there. And I think there's absolutely nothing wrong. I mean, we all have our insecurities and if you have the means and if you want to so badly to fix something through a medical professional, that's nothing wrong with it. Just don't lie to people. Just yeah, yeah. People thinking that you were born like that, or you're like, like, I did nose exercises and now I don't have a bump in my nose. Like, yeah, what? it's like, you know, I, I did this jaw exercise and now I have this mm-hmm. sharp jawline. It's like, no, yeah. you went to the plastic surgeon, you got the filler, there's you got nothing. the butt, in, the butt implants, the exactly. butt injections. Yeah, the lipo. there's nothing wrong with it, and it's mm-hmm. nothing to be ashamed of. You, you were had an insecurity and you had the means to do it, it's totally fine. And I, I do respect Kim for that a lot. Have you ever photoshopped something and posted online? I haven't like, like cinched the waist photoshopped. I've done the teeth whitening. I've like patched a pimple, done a little leg smooth, but I haven't ever done like a full, what are those? Like, I'm like making like, the motion like, as if people on the like, podcast can see it. Like, I haven't warped. 
a physical yes, part work. of my body. Um, but I have done the filter. I've used the filters on Instagram stories that make you look like you have the nice eyeliner, the snatched nose. Um, so that's my, my editing history. Right. Well, that's actually not bad. It's not, it's not too bad. It's definitely a, a bound. It's just important to be a critical consumer and be aware of all these different procedures that are possible and that they very much like might be on your social media feed. They might be going on in your life and you don't need to hold yourself to that standard. Yes, exactly. That's a great point that I haven't wanted to cross because I've heard so many people talk about how detrimental it is for their mental health and how how terrible it is to feel the need to do that and then not feel good enough if you don't do that um and like when I'm having really bad days confidence wise like I won't take the picture it's like yeah it'd be great if I took this photo to remember this moment but looking at those photos really isn't going to be great for me so it's okay like I want to talk about comparison a little bit because I feel like a huge part of self-esteem issues and body issues I personally, as much as I compare myself to people online, I think it's more sometimes even within my own friend group back home, Mm -hmm. because generally speaking, my friends are all like slim, very, very slim. And they're always like, oh, Rachel, you're slim too, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, no, like cut it out. Like, don't tell me that because when you look at you and when you look at me, I'm just a little curvier and that's just how I was born. And, you know, yeah, I might have a little bit more stomach fat and a little bit thicker thighs and little chubbier arms, whatever it is, but don't lie to me and say that I'm the same as you, you know, and that to me, and I know they're doing it out of love and I know they're doing it out of, because they don't want me to feel bad. However, I still, the it's like, then I start comparing and then I start getting annoyed and frustrated the situation um but how do you feel about comparison and things like that I I definitely and that's just how I was born and you know yeah I might have a little bit more stomach fat and a little bit thicker thighs and little chubby arms whatever it is but don't lie to me and say that I'm the same as you you know and that to me and I know they're doing it out of love and I know they're doing it out of because they don't want me to feel bad however I still, the it's like, then I start comparing and then I start getting annoyed and frustrated at the situation. Um, but how do you feel about comparison and things like that? I, I definitely agree with you. I would say I'm not as much of a comparer on social media. Um, like I'll see things where I'm like, oh, I love that haircut or like, I wish I had that outfit, but I'm not as much like, why doesn't my body look like that? as much as I would be in person with friends or people in my class and things like that. And I do think there is the, the touch of body dysmorphia. I don't know if it's a normal degree or something that I'm just like very more aware of, but I don't think that I'm a good judge of what I look like in comparison to other people. Like, I definitely think that if I was looking at a girl across from me, I'd be like, oh my gosh, I'm so much heavier than her, even if that wasn't necessarily accurate. Um, so I, the comparison is the thief of joy. I don't think it's an effective tool to engage in. If you can distract yourself, if you can do something else. Um, I think that's probably for the best. Um, because again, like the, the beauty standard is impacting us. Um, these expectations that society has put on us are also influencing the way that we compare, compare ourselves. Um, but, but yeah, it's definitely, it's very tough. And that's again, where I go back to the goal of like body neutrality, not body positivity. I think with 
comparison, you're trying to get to that point of positivity where you're like, my, my legs are better than her legs, or I like my arms more. Like that's what comparison is, is that one is better than the other. Whereas with neutrality, you can get to that point of like, these are both bodies. We have had extremely different genetics. We've done different sports throughout the years. We eat differently. We sleep different hours. All of these, we walk different amounts of steps every day. All of these factors are adding to these things. These are both bodies. Both of us are equally amazing humans, regardless of what we look like. Um, So striving for that neutrality piece um but yeah it's I definitely do agree with you that comparison in person is a lot more prevalent in my life than just virtually um and like seeing people on Instagram do you think you have an easy time taking care of like your body needs because you know a lot of nutritionists and a lot of people will say how you know your body is like a temple and you take care of it and I hate that yes my whole (laughs) thing and it's like you have to you know feed your body with this type of nutrition every single day for you know to have fuel and stuff like how do you feel about the whole thing I'm like not very good at it I've definitely gotten better I would say during COVID I was like the peak of unhealthy I was walking like some days under 500 steps like that's like going to the bathroom getting up from bed walking downstairs for dinner that's all no activity, no exercise whatsoever. Mm -hmm. I was eating whatever I wanted to and not necessarily in like a binging way, but it was like pizza sounds good for lunch. I'll make a pizza in the oven. Breakfast, pancakes, sure. A snack four times a day, absolutely. And I think part of that stems from restricting myself for so long and working to get my hunger cues back to just being like, if I'm hungry, I'll respect that and I'll eat that. And I struggle to separate like, what's a hunger cue? What's a craving? And if it's a craving, do I need to eat that? Because even if you're hungry and you're craving a hamburger, you can still like fulfill the hunger cue, not eating in and out. Like I still struggle with that. And so most of the time I'll just be like, if I'm craving that, I'll eat that because that is better than like saying, oh no, I shouldn't eat that. Let me eat this thing instead. Um, so I definitely would say that that led to weight gain and it was very unhealthy. And I went to my general practitioner checkup appointment when I turned 18, didn't realize for a year, didn't see your email, but I had high cholesterol, which was no like joke because would not no joke, which was highly predictable because I wasn't exercising and I was eating whatever I wanted to, which wasn't salads and vegetables and, and healthy things. And so, um, I, I was at a really unhappy place with my, my physical body. My confidence was taking a hit. I didn't feel good enough in social situations. Rushing sororities was really difficult and also, um, like affected my self-esteem as well, or I let my self-esteem become a factor in that. Um, But New Year's, like this last year, I had worked out some. I had been walking more at college, but I was like, I really want to be more consistent with exercise. I want to try and eat more balanced. Um, and I just like come kept going back and back to therapy sessions and being like, how can I get better at implementing this habit? Like, I want to be exercising more. I want to be eating better. How do I do this? And just going back to the drawing board again and again and again. And I now feel like I'm more at that neutral point where it's like, I don't feel super negative towards my body. I'm still definitely getting better at choosing the healthy things and getting myself to work out. Um, But especially at college, I feel good about my routines and that they're helping me live a healthy, like sustained 
schedule and diet and workout routine and lifestyle. Um, but I would say like for me to give some more like concrete examples of what that looks like. I know that if I stay in my dorm all day, I'll get like under a thousand steps. But if I even like walk to dinner or walk to the library, I'm getting above 7,000. So like, I'd be like, I'm going to try and get above 7,500 steps because I know that's when the health benefits kick in. And for me, that signals that I've done something with my day um, and not just like isolated and slept all day. Um, getting enough sleep is really important to me. So making sure that I am doing my sleep hygiene and getting in bed at a certain time and waking up if I can and I'm not exhausted at a certain time. Um, and even if I have like homework or something to study for being like, I know that sleep is going to be more beneficial than cramming for these three hours and losing that sleep. Um, diet wise, I've tried pretty much everything. Um, there was a time when being like, I'm going to eat a salad every day was helpful um, to just make sure I was getting those vegetables at one meal. I feel like that's a pretty achievable goal, depending on what your meal situation looks like. I feel like it's a little harder at home because I'm not a big salad maker, but if you're going to the dining hall or something, I feel like that's pretty achievable to get a side salad with your dinner um, or at least throw some vegetables in. Right now I'm like, okay, how can I get more fiber at every meal? So I'll be like whole wheat bread instead of white bread, or I'll eat like yogurt and granola instead of like eggs and well, I love eggs, but like something yeah. with a lot of bacon. Cause I'm like, okay, like healthier meats. Um, and lower fat instead of normal fat, such an easy switch to make. And those were all tips from the nutritionist that I met with after I learned about my high cholesterol, which that's now kind of what my goal is. I, I'm not as on top of the working out over the summer, but steps is a big thing for me because it's like mental health wise means that I'm doing things that are good for my, I don't like saying good for my soul, but it's good for my general functioning. Um, on TikTok actually yesterday the rule of two, which is that you don't miss a workout twice and you don't eat a healthy meal two times, an unhealthy meal two times in a row. And I think like, take it with a grain of salt. But if your goal is like, I'm going to work out once a week and that's your starting point to not skip two weeks of workouts, just skip one. Um, and then you're like increasing your consistency by 50%. Um, and same thing for like healthy eating. Like my bar is like kind of low for that. Like I'm not someone that's like, if I'm not eating a chicken breast and asparagus, it's a fail for me. It's like, again, making out those swaps. Like, okay, I had holy bread with my sandwich instead of white healthy meal check, or I had a smoothie for breakfast instead of, I don't know what a good example is, but like, like, I feel like all breakfasts are pretty good. Like time. Oh, here's a good example. Like lucky charms for breakfast. If I had that for breakfast, I would eat something that has more protein for lunch. So that kind of thing, I feel like is a good thing to implement, but all of these other philosophies, like the 80, 20 rule or calories or macros are a lot harder for me to stay consistent with. And they quickly become very overwhelming. Um, and I think, especially if you do have a history of struggling with disordered eating or struggling with these things, if you ever are like, I don't feel good about telling someone that this about how I'm structuring my diet or my exercise, that's a huge red flag. Like I have no problem telling you exactly the choices I'm making right now and putting this on the internet because I do feel like they're balanced and healthy and not something that is causing me harm. Right. But there's been times where I've set an internal goal where I'm like, I'm going to eat this many calories or I'm going to exercise this much. And I would never want to tell someone that, or if I did tell a therapist, I broke down into tears. So like being cognizant of that, I think is a huge tip and thing that's very helpful if you struggle with that unhealthy boundary, because it's right. a super telltale sign that you're doing something that you probably shouldn't be. Totally. No, that's actually a really great point because I think of every single time that I 
I think every single time I went on like so-called, I, first of all, I hate the word diet and I hate mm-hmm. diet culture and everything yes. about it, but those numbers, you become obsessed. The calories, the macros, how many pounds did I lose this week? You know, but next week I got to lose an extra four or whatever it is, or mm-hmm. 3.5 pounds. And it's like the whole thing becomes so toxic and you don't even care at that point. It's so funny because I say it to get healthy, but I'm actually killing my health because I'm not giving my body the proper nutrition that it needs. And every single time I deprive myself of, you know, not having that cheat meal or not putting in some moderation, the next thing, you know, four months down the road, okay, I haven't got my period a single time. And by that time it's, I'm binging. Yeah. It's yeah. just like, and then you go so crazy because mm-hmm. you mentally cannot take it. And physically, it's like you need that sort of balance. And I think the worst part about it all is that you're in denial until a few months later. And when yeah. you start getting into a better habit and changing your routine, you're like, oh, okay, this is, yeah. this is not what it's supposed to look like. Actually. Yeah. The, the group of people that are most at risk for, del- for developing eating disorders and one of the not warning signs, but at-risk situations are people that are have been on diets or started a diet. That is one of the most common ways that eating disorders develop. And the, the target at-risk group is teenagers, young women, it's people in more affluent families, it's people where food is abundant, not, not in places where you don't know where your next meal is coming from, or you are struggling to put together a meal, etc. Um, it's, it's a very specific population and many people that do struggle with eating disorders, they've targeted that the way that began was a diet. Um, and so it's, it's no joke. It's the, the data backs that up. Last question. So we're both young adults. I mean, it's natural to like, you know, what a boy, are you single? I am very single. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Don't even worry. Yeah. <laughs> nothing's been going on (laughs) yes exactly no action nothing um do you find it harder these days you know in your are you comfortable do you find yourself restricting yourself after covid um to go out and meet new guys or go on dates or whatever it is in college because of your self-body image hundred percent. Like my, like most recent therapy thing that I'm tackling is that. And my exposure therapy is like, talk to people on dating apps, flirt with people in public. And I'm like, no, I will not do that. That sounds so scary. My therapist is like, come on, Sadie, you have to do this or you're never going to get out of this like uncomfortable rut. I'm like, okay, I'll try. Does not happen. But yeah, no, definitely something that I've experienced and I've like tried to understand what the root of it is it from self-esteem is it from just being out of practice is it from being in a new environment like what is the root cause of it I am not 100% sure but I completely agree and I definitely do think part of it does come from like physical appearance changes and the confidence that accompanies that um and definitely like the body dysmorphia side of things also I'm using that term that for anyone listening, not necessarily as like a diagnosis, but the idea of like not necessarily seeing yourself accurately, just to clarify. Um, but yeah, like not seeing yourself completely accurately, thinking that you are heavier than you are, not as attractive as you are. And for that reason, holding back or thinking that other people wouldn't find you attractive or wouldn't want to talk to you or spend time with you. Um, I think that's definitely something that I've struggled with, especially going to college um, and being out of practice 
from interacting with people during COVID. Um, I think like the longer we avoid things, the more difficult it is to do them again and to feel confident doing those things. And the only answer is like exposure therapy, doing them again and again until you're more comfortable. Um, but I, I definitely have struggled with that a lot. I think if anyone is really struggling with that and wants to like learn more, there's this really interesting book called The Game. Um, and it's about this pickup artist that lived, I think he lived in LA and you can like Google him. Like he's not a particularly attractive guy, but like he picked up all these crazy celebrities and models and Paris Hilton just through like having funny back and forth and banter and jokes. And it's like a whole science. It's um, like you're wow. reading body language. You're using these cues. You're using these set lines that you've rehearsed, but it just illustrates that it's not about physical appearance. Um, that's not what makes the, that's not what makes or breaks a romantic situation or a date or a conversation. So that's something that's really interesting to read if you are struggling with um, those kinds of dynamics. And you're like, I think it's just my physical appearance. Read that book. It'll show you that it's not. Um, there's a movie. I don't know if it came out yet or if it was like in the works, but like it's really interesting story. Um, but yeah, no, definitely hundred percent something that I've struggled with. I think especially also something that adds to, um, the whole challenge of it is leaving high school where most relationships are organically formed as friendships from people that you've known for a while to then being in like the adult dating world, which even as I say that, like makes me not nauseous. That sounds like a disgusting thing. I'm like, no, thank you. Absolutely not. Not associating with that, but like things like dating apps or meeting someone at a bar, like going on a first date or a blind date rather than it being someone that, you know, like all of that is really anxiety provoking and foreign. And so like, naturally it's a lot more difficult, but yeah. No, yeah, everything you said, I agree with. It's it's hard, you know, especially especially with the guys that are in this day and age. It's just there's a lot of aspects I feel like that go into like the dating culture. But coming yeah. from like a self esteem problem, it definitely it's it's a really good reminder to remind myself and to, for everyone here is like it's not all about the looks and it's so funny because every single time I look at a guy I'm like you know what like he's not like like, ugly ugly not like drop dead like you know gorgeous and I'm like oh my god Jacob Elordi exactly exactly (laughs) so it's like if I'm looking at that person like for his personality and whatever he brings to the table whatever it is it's okay that's probably how they're looking at me too because I can't you can't be so hard on yourself and again it's just about being in your own head Mm -hmm. and it's like well it's always the fear of fear of rejection for sure Mm -hmm. yes (laughs) fear that you're already telling yourself you've already made up your mind in this story in your head saying that that guy won't like me because I don't have that body Yes. And I, and I guarantee if they're not interacting with you or not looking at you, it's because, okay, like not in a friendship situation where you already knew them, but if you're just like, I don't know, at a party and you see someone and you're like, why aren't they interacting with me? Why aren't they looking at me? I guarantee it's because you haven't approached them. You haven't done anything for them to like their attention to be drawn to you. It's not because of all these things you've like this narrative you've created in your head about what you looked like or the outfit you were wearing or an an insecurity you have, like none of those things they even notice. And because you're so consumed by those insecurities, you are not putting yourself out there and you're not putting yourself in a situation where you would be noticed. Um, And that's kind of like tough love, hard pill to swallow kind of things. Um, And it sucks. Like I, 
I need to like give myself that advice hundred percent. Um, but yeah, it definitely is. It's not about the appearance thing. And I think we get so stuck in our own heads, like you were saying that it's at, we're our own worst enemy and we get in our own ways. Yeah, no, hundred percent. Okay. Well, I think that wraps up our episode today. I really appreciate you coming on here. Um, I hope everyone here goes and checks out Sadie Sutton's page. She persisted. She really has a lot of good content on there and you post weekly, right? Yes. Weekly. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Weekly. um, I mean, you'll see all the information on the page, but thank you so much for being on here. I really thank you for having me. I'm so glad we got to do this. Me too. Me too. Okay. We'll keep in contact. Awesome. All right. Awesome. Thank you. Perfect.